Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. I'm really excited uh, to uh, bring this message to you. Uh, I believe it is a uh, a download from the Lord, uh, from the Lord uh, to speak around the world right now as, as people are suffering, but also people are struggling with their faith. They're battling with these, these invisibles. They're battling with relationships. Uh, ministering on Wednesday evenings, uh, a message, a series called Contagion that the coronavirus, whatever brought it to us, uh, is identifying certain viruses that are in our homes. One of them is domestic violence. People don't know how to handle their anger. They burst out and say things that they shouldn't say. And they're even uh, striking spouses and children. Children are actually hitting their parents. And it's something that we need to deal with and we need to talk about. And I'm doing that on Wednesday night. I would invite you to come to join with us on the Wednesday night Bible class. But these viruses are surfacing um, because of our, our restrictions, where our movements have been restricted. It is causing us to take a look at home. And when you stay home for a while, things are beginning to manifest. They've always been there. Anger has always been there. But when you're agitated, it goes to another level. And I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to me to deal with those things. Pornography is going to another level. Alcoholism is going to another level. And uh, with that comes domestic violence. The Lord spoke to my heart to minister uh, this message, but it's really out of a relationship. And God wants to solidify his relationship with sons with children of the king. And so as we look at Matthew chapter 7, it is a portion of what we call the Sermon of the Mount or on the Mount. It starts in chapter 5 and it's from chapter 5 to chapter 7 where Jesus on the side of a hill near the Sea of Galilee, actually near his headquarters, which was Capernaum. He took a moment and spoke to the multitude. Gave them a long sermon. This is a part of that. And he said, basically, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Think about the relationship with the father now. Not with uh, a stranger or someone or a friend, but a relationship with the father. And this is why I teach constantly that that relationship with the father is so essential. It will it will either uh, cause you to rise up in the things of God or it will keep you stagnant or you'll just find your own way. But when you have a father, there are certain things you don't have to pay for. Uh, you don't have to pay uh, for the, the, the price that it takes to cut through new ground. All you got to do is just come uh, under the covering thereof. And when you do so, there are certain things that you don't have to experience. And so the scripture is clear here. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and the door will be open to you. 
the father-son relationship can be complex. Fathers and sons with widely different interests coming together can find it hard to relate one to another. The enemy is even trying to further the gap in this generation between uh, this generation and the previous one. I just don't believe that we're that far apart from each other. The only difference is, is that technology was introduced to this generation in 2007 like we've never seen before. But the, the Bible said there's nothing new under the sun, nothing new. That there's some things that I've experienced as a, a, a father in the earth that my son shouldn't have to experience. Uh, if, if I've gotten in trouble with the law, by the way, I haven't. But if I got in trouble with the law and I'm telling you what I did and showing you what you shouldn't do, why do you need to get in trouble with the law so you know what I know? All you have to do is sit at my feet and learn from me and you don't have to recreate the will so you don't have to go through the same things I've gone through. You can actually take it further than me. The father-son relationship can be complex. Fathers are not supposed to be friends with sons. They're supposed to be fathers. Fathers and sons with widely different interests can find it very difficult to relate, very hard to relate one to another. Sometimes dad feels, dads and sons feel competitive against one another. Sometimes dad wants to show son that he can play basketball greater. I don't need to dunk if you can dunk. <laughs> I don't need to show you what I can do on the court. Uh, I want you to go further than me. And, and so, uh, but you'll find a lot of fathers wanting to, I guess, beat the son down on the court to make themselves feel good. But there's no competitive uh, nature with real fathers and sons. Fathers want sons to go further. Even Jesus, uh, the first of many brothers, his father, our father, said, the works that Jesus does, you will do in greater works. He's not intimidated by the greater works that you do. Just strive for it lawfully. Sometimes their male uh, tendencies is not communicated or communicated uh, right. The feelings that we have. Sometimes sons are so agitated or full of testosterone, they speak harshly to their fathers. Or they get tired of the instruction. If you got a good father, you need to learn how to submit to that. It doesn't happen everywhere. If we had real, real good fathers, I wouldn't have to, I wouldn't have to preach this message. And so, in a sense, I repent for the that lethargic attitude of many fathers around the country or, or, or men who forsook their homes to find their way after you have children. Sometimes male tendencies to not communicate feelings are compounded as both want a better father-son relationship, but sometimes it's hard for men to communicate their feelings. How can you uh, pave a way for the future if you can't communicate it? Or when you do, you're upset when you do it. Ask the Lord spoke to me. Ask. Well, God, I've been asking you for things for years. But he says, well, I want you to ask for, me, for these things out of a relationship with me. As a son. Not as a bishop. Not as a pastor. 
not as a, a member of a church, but as a son. I want you to ask me. And so ASK is an acronym for number one, appeal. The A is for appeal. The S is for seek. And the K is for knock. Let's talk about the appeal. It means to call on for an answer. To call on for an answer. To inquire. I believe to ask is, the, is an essential act of humility. To ask is an essential act of humility. Some young men without a father would say, well, I don't need to ask anybody for anything. I'll make my own way. And what they don't understand is that's pride rising up because ask, to ask for something is to, it is the first essential act of humility. And this is how God does. God says, I resist the proud, but I'll give grace to the humble. And out of a relationship, we should be able to make an appeal. To call on for an answer. Dad. 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 Son does that. Son is actually saying, I submit. I humble myself. I acknowledge that I don't know everything. <laughs> I think I do, but I don't. <laughs> I act like I do, but I really don't. <laughs> and sooner or later, you'll find out. Seek is the S. It's to try to acquire or to gain. To try, to endeavor to acquire or gain, to pursue. It really means to chase or to hunt. To trail something, to track it with the intent of capture. To pursue it. To pursue it. Until you apprehend it. Till you capture it. It means to take into custody. You mean to tell me God says I want you to seek for me that way? I want you to seek me in a way that you would gain something. That you would pursue it until you capture it. That you would apprehend me. <laughs> that you would capture me. Yes, an attribute of God. God says, I want you to pursue me in such a way or an attribute of God in such a way that you don't stop until you capture it, until you apprehend it. And there's something about God's power. There's something about God's presence. There's something about the purposes of God. There's something about the principles that he lay out, glory to God, that he wants me to pursue. He wants me to pursue it, to catch it, to capture it. To apprehend it. Paul the apostle said it like this. I have not yet apprehended. <laughs> Out of Philippians chapter 3. It's on the screen here in a moment. Verse 12. Not as though. The King James says. Not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. But I follow after. This is a. A son speaking about his relationship with the father. I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of. Christ Jesus. I like that verse in the New Living Translation verse 12. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things. Or that I have already reached 
Glory to God, perfection. I'm not there yet. <laughs> but I press on. Glory to God. There's a press there. I press on to possess that perfection. I see something about God that I want to be like. Hallelujah. I, I, I want that, that attribute that I saw in my father. I want it displayed in my life. Glory to God. So I press on to possess that perfection. For which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Ooh, I like that. There's something in me. There's a, a, a don't stop till you get it anointing. That makes me press on when I don't understand, glory to God, to that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. He put something in me. Actually, he lives in me. And he, in me, he's causing me to pursue something, glory to God, that I have not yet attained. Glory to God. So I don't mean to say that have already achieved. I'm not there yet. I'm on the road, glory to God. I'm seeking after. I'm pursuing with the intent of capture. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I like verse 13, back in the King James. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, even failed relationships with fathers. And I'm reaching forth unto the things which are before me. A new and living way. Glory to God. I like verse 14. I press toward the goal. The mark of the high calling of God. Which is in Christ Jesus. I'm a pressing toward the goal. I got a, something in me. Uh, the Gabor in me is, is saying pursue him until you capture him. Glory to God. I feel like Jacob this morning. I'm all alone. And maybe you feel that way all alone as, you, as he crossed the fort of Jabbok. There he was left alone. And there he wrestled with an angel all night long. Glory to God. He's wrestling with the angel. And then the angel saw that he would not, he would not relent. So he touched the hollow of his thigh. Now Jacob is not necessarily wrestling, but he's clinging. He's clinging to the angel. I can't let you go. Until you bless me. I don't want to be the same old man anymore. And so I will seek you until the new man arises. Glory to God. So acts to acts means to make an appeal to call. It's the first act of humility. And then to seek means to hunt for. To press on to possess the perfection. Glory to God. For which Christ Jesus first possessed me. And here's how I do it. I count not myself to have obtained. I'm not trying to act like I already know. I'm not trying to act like I've already apprehended. But one thing I do, I forget the past hurts because they will start messing with my mind today and make me think that I need to create a new and living way. But the way is already made and it's in sonship. The things which are behind, I forget them and I'm reaching, I'm reaching God, I'm seeking, I'm, I'm hunting until I capture you. I'm seeking for the prize of the high calling that only comes through Christ Jesus our Lord. And then we have the K is for knock. It means to strike it, to, to strike something with a sharp blow consistently. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep knocking it until it opens up. 
But those that go to college, nobody can graduate in one week. Nobody. I wouldn't trust anybody, any doctor to tell me he's willing to do surgery on me, but he was a quick track. He went through the quick track. He went through the quick track, and now he's got it. Where did you get it from, sir? I got it on the Internet. Is there anybody that judged you? Is there any father that looked at you and said, I'm not impressed? I'm not impressed with you. No, go back and do it over. Did anybody do that to you? You haven't gone through the test yet. You don't know who you are until there is a test. And a lot of times the one giving the test is silent. Glory to God. Talk to him all day. Can't talk to him while you're taking the test. Thank you, God. But I'm going to keep knocking now. I'm going to keep knocking until this door opens up. I'm going to keep going to class after class, making an A after an A after an A and keep doing it and being scrutinized and falling and failing but sticking with it until I graduate. Because nobody can trust me until I graduate. Thank you, God. I'm going to keep on knocking until the door opens. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Appeal. Seek and knock. Let's talk a little bit about father-son relationships because what the Lord is really causing me to do right now is to think about my relationship with him and he uh, let me know in my prayer time that he wants a relationship with you. And that when you ask him, he don't want you to ask as a stranger. He wants you to come out of a relationship. The relationship that he wants to form with you. John chapter 15 is very unique. First verse says, I am the true vine and my father is the husband man. And when you read the relationship or the, the, the writing there in John chapter 15, Jesus is speaking directly. The weather is never mentioned in that passage of scripture. Trials are never mentioned. Viruses are never mentioned. Seasons are never mentioned. The whole chapter is about a relationship. John 15, the weather is never mentioned in the passage there. All he's talking about is abiding in the vine. The emphasis is on the relationship with the vine. I'm the father. I'm the vine. My father's the husband, man. Every branch that, br that brings forth fruit, he prunes. Every branch that doesn't bring forth fruit, he takes away. But he prunes that it may bring forth more fruit. Even the cutting there is about being more fruitful. And so in a father-son relationship, God says, I cut back. Even though you have potential, I cut you back so eventually you can produce more. But outside of the relationship, you won't understand it. John 15, the weather is never mentioned. What we go through is never mentioned. You know why? Because the writer is not concerned about the season. This is whether it's winter time, summer, spring, or fall. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about the weather or the season. Just abide. Glory to God. Stay connected with the vine. 
Glory to God. And if you stay connected with the vine, eventually you will bear fruit. Let's build a strong relationship with sons. Think about the relationship. Even in Psalm 1, it is not really talking about, uh, the, the whole thing is about relationship. Blessed is the man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, Psalm 1. Nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of God. And in his law does he meditate day and night. He will be like a tree. The relationship, let's think about the relationship with the tree and the root. Well, the root you don't see, it's underground. But believe me, they're infused one with another. How deep is your love? If it's surface kind of love, the first storm we're going to break up, glory to God. But if the root system goes deep into the earth, when the storm comes, we're not even talking about the storm. The scripture don't even talk about the storm, Psalm 1, because if the root system is in the earth, and if it's tied to the earth the right way, eventually, glory to God, strength is going to come to the tree, and it will never fall, regardless of the season. So even now, I'm praying that God will cause your root system to have a relationship with the soil. Let's say, for instance, your relationship, your root system underneath the ground, glory to God, your relationship with the Lord that people can't see. Don't worry about what they can't see. Eventually, they'll see the fruit. But let's make sure we're tied to the word. And what does the word instruct? Let's, let, we need a teacher now because God won't allow you to read the scriptures. He's never designed that without a teacher. You have to have a guide. That's why he says he calls the church to grow. He put people in the church for the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry. Underneath the fivefold ministry out of Ephesians chapter 4. Because there's some things you won't be perfected in just by studying yourself. You need an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, and a pastor. I ain't really concerned about uh, titles, Bishop. You don't have to be because God is concerned about it. You don't have to be. If you want to be essential, you need to be concerned with what he's concerned with. Oh, God, help me, Jesus. And the way we're perfected is to be able to sit up under a teacher. Every teacher needs a teacher. Every prophet must be subject to a prophet. It's a relationship. And every son needs a father. I would trust no father if they never had a son or never was a son. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. I'm preaching, y'all. Listen. <laughs> Just say amen. If you're on Facebook, give me a thumbs up. Keep preaching, Bishop. <laughs> it's going to be all right. That relationship in Psalm uh, 1 is unique. And he shall be like a tree planted. That's all it says. Think about the root system. Jeremiah says the root system, the roots even begin to extend themselves toward the river. Glory to God. Even if you are not close to the river, your roots are trying to get to the flow. Which is the Holy Spirit. So that building a strong relationship is so important with sons. Recognize, this is what, I want you to all write it down. Recognize this fact that fathers influence sons. But a son should be in the proximity of a father to get that influence. Especially spiritually. Naturally, 
I'm talking about some natural and spiritual things here. And if you didn't have a close relationship with your father, you'll strain with a spiritual one. But you got to endeavor. Let the roots go to the stream. It's no excuse. Glory to God. Because God is our father. And what we have to do is learn how to send those roots to the stream. You try, endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You must try to get your root to the river and stay connected with the word. Recognize this fact that fathers influence sons. Whether we know it or not, our sons learn what to do, good, bad, and indifferent from their fathers. They learn how to be men primarily by watching their father, and they will emulate good, bad, or indifferent. If the father doesn't say, I love you, it's hard for the son to say, I love you. You know I love you. No, I need to hear you say it. Well, see, my dad never said it. I, I understand because we are influenced by our fathers. He being the heavenly father, he wants us to stick with him so close that he influences our behavior. Even during this time, we're focusing on the weather. But God says this is not what you're supposed to focus on. Uh, uh, corona, uh, COVID-19 and all of the stuff that's happening around the world. Where is the relationship with God? Recognize this fact that fathers influence sons. And how many sons of God are being influenced by father right now? Whether we know it or not, our sons learn how to be men, learn how to be fathers, learn how to be entrepreneurs, primarily by watching their fathers. The opposite is just as true. They learn how to do wrong things by their fathers. If the father was promiscuous, you'll see the son acting the same way. Glory to God. And some fathers clap their hand when they see a promiscuous son. Yeah, you're a real brother. That's right. Go ahead and get them all. And you're sending them straight to hell. It is not the boy that spills it all. It's the one that contains it that holds, that, that, that really grows in character. It's not the one that's out there doing everything. It's the one that learns how to control it. And I'll preach myself happy. been watching your father lately look up when is the last time you looked up to him the author looking unto Jesus what foreseeing will come past about scripture says with such a great cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and sin let us run unto Jesus let's look unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith in a father-son relationship we develop common interest common interests. Fathers shape the interest of sons. As it relates to work, as it relates to respect, as it relates to honor, as it relates to ethics and compassion, sports, prayer, praise, fellowship, and courage. It's the father that shapes it. If you're close enough with the father, you'll pick up attributes. He wants to shape your interests. Well, I don't really like going to church. I just like doing it this way. Well, you don't have no father. <laughs> because the father shapes it. So who shaped your attitude about these things? 
Father says, no matter if we have to slow down here and pick up there, we can get through this because I help to shape the interest. And there are people who only shape the interest of sons as it relates to sports. But God wants it to be broadened here today. We need to shape the interests of sons as it relates to work, as it relates to respect and honor, as it relates to ethics, to have compassion on people. Oh, God help me. Sports is there, but it's not primary. What about how to pray? What about how to forgive, how to treat a woman? Who taught you how to treat her? Being with her don't teach you how to do that. That's just make love type sessions. But how do you treat the essence of who she is? It takes a father to do that. Glory to God. How to fellowship one with another. Fathers shape courage in sons. That means when there's a snake when your little boy don't move. There's a dog right there. I know you're afraid of it, but I want you to stand still. There's a wasp nest. As long as you don't disturb it, you'll be able to make it. You disturb it now. We may have a problem. If you keep lying, that wasp is going to fly in your mouth. <laughs> Let me give you all a little story here. I had a man here at the church and he was always telling jokes and he'll laugh so hard that he's staggling down the, the, the aisle just laughing so hard in service. And I was preaching one day he was out in the foyer just laughing <laughs> just whole body in it and we were putting the new baptismal here they brought it in on the truck and he was outside joking and Jesse Jessica and doing what he does bad mouth in his country and when he had his mouth wide open, a wasp flew right in his mouth. It's a true story. And when it flew in his mouth, he tried to spit it out, but it bit him. It stung him. And I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> true story. I laughed until I fell on my knee. That's why I get it. Keep telling lies and laughing. Wasp may fly in your mouth. Only a father can say that. It's not going to kill you, but it will sting. Guess what? After the sting was gone, he went right back to laughing and chessicating because those pains don't change character. What did you pick up from your father? Did you stick with him close enough to learn that you're going too far with that? It takes fathers to teach sons how to take on big projects, to dream big. Fathers help to shape that. Yeah, I know you want to do this, but I want you to think bigger. I want you to go further than I go. I want you to accomplish more. This is why it's important. Fathers usually take young sons on trips theme parks because when you're young you start breathing in new air and you start seeing new things and you're inspired to do more that's why God when you first get saved you don't need to sing in the choir you don't need to do all of that because when you can't sing in the choir your religion is tied to it first thing you want to do when you get with God is start praying and talking to him and get disciple so you can dream big 
And when your world begins to crumble around you, you can keep your eyes on Jesus, hallelujah, the author and the finisher of your faith. Glory, hallelujah. Write it down. Another thing fathers do. Fathers listen to their sons. What I mean by that, fathers seek opportunities that their sons can speak to them from the heart. They seek for ways to develop the son's communicative ability. This is why we pray, because God is really after your ability to talk to him, your ability to communicate. And that's what fathers do. They listen. That doesn't mean the son is supposed to instruct the father. <laughs> you got it twisted. I'm supposed to tell you, dad, this is how I should go, dad. Now, that's not how that goes. That's not, that's not the purpose of father listening to you, but he wants to hear your heart. He's trying to help shape your ability because a lot of times what the, the, the jargon that you're putting out as a son hasn't been proven yet. You haven't been proven and tested yet. You won't even know what it's like until you're carrying your own and looking at them, watching them grow. Then you're the one shaping the attitude and the mind. And as soon as they get a little bit, just a little bit, you don't know what you're talking about. I know. Really? <laughs> that relationship needs to be intact. And this is why we have a relationship with the father. When you have a true relationship, even when you don't understand, when the job ends, there's a little sickness or something like that, you won't stand up there and charge him. What you say is, God, I don't understand. Can you teach me? I want to know. I'm seeking you. I'm asking. I'm making the appeal. I'm seeking you. I'm knocking. I humble myself. Glory, hallelujah. Write it down. Father-son relationships. Their relation is key to legacy. If there's no relationship with a father, in about 20 years, there will be nothing following you. Because it's the father-son relationship that creates legacy. Thank you, God. And if you've had a bad relationship with your father, I want you to reconcile that. You have not yet apprehended of that which you're apprehended of. This one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind, reaching to the things which are before. Write it down. Fathers focus on potential, not problems. Fathers focus on potential, not problems. We see the problem, but that's not our focus. I see potential in you, and that's what I'm pulling on. On the basketball court, you do really well going to your right, but I see a weakness with your left hand. So what I'm going to do is tie down your right hand. I don't want you dribbling with the right. Well, what do you mean, uh, Dad? What do you mean, Coach? I can slam with my right, but I want to see, I see if you balance this out and you start moving with your left and you're able to strategize, go to your left just as strong as you go to your right, no one will stop you. Even now, you telegraph. You'll always go to your right. But I want you to be so diverse. I want you to go through your legs and start dribbling with your left and then slam on them with your left hand. Man, I'm preaching today. 
Because fathers focus on potential, not just on what you did last year or how you won last year. I need you to do this so you can grow over here and be the best that you can be. Fathers make one-on-one -on -one time. Just me and you. That's how God is with sons. Sometimes he wants one-on-one -on -one time. Why do you think he stopped the world? Why do you think everything has come to a halt? Because he wants one-on-one -on -one time. You've been so distracted. You get with me last. You give everybody else your energy. Come to the end of the day, as soon as you start praying, you fall asleep. So I'm going to stop it all so we can have one-on-one -on -one Fathers focus on sp spiritual growth and development. That's what their aim is. Spiritual growth, not just natural growth, but spiritual growth and development. For a moment, let's look at spiritual perspectives, the biblical perspective of sons of God. The term son of God is mentioned in three ways in the Bible. First, it's um, uh, in the book of Job, we see sons of God. He used that phrase to relate to angelic beings or non-human beings. Even Satan appeared in Job 1 with them, with one of the sons of God. God loves the word son so much that even though Satan is a fallen angel, he could at least ascend. He once was called son of the morning. He could at least ascend into this realm because he loves that term so much. The second area that sons of God are mentioned is in the New Testament. It is given to men and women who have a covenant relationship with God. A covenant relationship. You have a covenant relationship, he calls you son. And God loves his children. He's saying to his children today, be filled with hope. Paul the Apostle got a revelation on this out of uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we have an obligation. That's Romans chapter 8 and verse 12. Therefore, brothers, brothers, we have an obligation. But it is not to the sinful nature. It is not to your previous life to live according to it. Look at verse 13. For if you live according to to the sinful nature, to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. I like verse 14. Please underline it. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. Those that are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. And the spirit of God will always lead a son. Notice the word son. That is an endearment. That they're in the proximity. There's legacy there. They've submitted to the counsel of God. Sons. And the spirit will not lead a son to be contrary. Look at the word. The spirit of God are the sons of God. Look at verse 14. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave. Again, to fear, 
talking about the relationship between law, rules and regulations as it relates to the law of Moses. That's not what he's talking about. But you receive the spirit of sonship by which we cry out, Abba. Here's a relationship, Abba, Father. Well, if you don't understand natural fatherhood, I guarantee you your Abba is distorted. That's why it's got to be corrected, glory to God. This is why the enemy, especially in the African-American community, he doesn't want sons to rise. He wants individuals to rise. But a son has to get that reconciled because in our, in our, in, in our culture, the father-son relationship has been destroyed since slavery. Since slavery has been destroyed, glory to God. And God is trying to re restructure that, to renew that, to, to change that legacy. Glory, hallelujah. And so them that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. How do you know if you're being led of the Spirit? You either have three voices. God is speaking, Satan is speaking, or you are speaking. How do you know when God is speaking? Well, God is consistent with word. <laughs> you may be able to move here and there, whatever fits your fancy. You may even have a conviction. That's why we need a father to instruct us. In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. And your counselor shouldn't be your friend. It should be someone that's mature that has gone out before you. Y'all understand that, right? So if you got children, counseling children, no wonder they're running, winding up in the ditch. The blind can't lead the blind. <laughs> They'll find, wind up in the ditch. A counselor has to be over and above, operating in wisdom. Glory to God. That's why elders, even, even uh, priests, weren't allowed to step into the priesthood or elders in the church until they're around 30 years old. You know why? Because there's a maturity level there. That's not to say God can't do anything different, but there's something about it. You've been tested. This is 30 years of coming up under somebody's teaching. Then all of a sudden now you're able to move because you got all of the all of the trappings. You know what time it is. You have the tools to do what you need to do and the submission. So look at the word here, verse 14, because those who are led by the spirit are the sons of God. Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit that makes you a slave, but the spirit, but receive the spirit of sonship by which you cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are, the, are God's children. Now, I'm, I'm looking at this relationship here. You're sons of God if you're led by the Spirit. Then it says, verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Spirit is letting us know we're God's children. Those he loves as sons, Hebrews 12 says, he corrects. So he doesn't just say, you're my child, do whatever. He also corrects those he loves. Look at verse 17. Now, if you are children, then you are heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Look at the relationship. If indeed you share in his sufferings. <laughs> well, Bishop, I don't want to suffer. I want to do that. Okay. Christ is going to have you to do some stuff that your flesh don't want to do. 
and to comply with things that you don't feel like you should comply because that's the way of sonship. It's right there in the text. It, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. You can't have glory as a son without the suffering. So why does God test his people, even test the church? Believe me, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's about to be revealed in us. Oh God, something is coming after this. But go through it. Go through it. It's something he's trying to teach us about a relationship. I like verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy. Comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creature, the creation waits to eagerly ex in eager expectation for the sons of God. It means the world is waiting for us. Not just boys, not just girls, but sons of God that have a relationship with his spirit, joint heirs with Christ, suffering with Christ. That we might also receive the glory that comes through Christ. Ah, thank you, God. So it says even the creation of the world waits to eagerly in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. And until we get there through suffering. Not through reigning, through suffering. Well, the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the ones who subjected it. Speaking of Adam and his sin. In hope that the creation itself would be liberated from the bondage of decay. Look at verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth even in this present time. And a lot of stuff that's happening in the world is because the world, the earth is groaning and waiting for us to rise up as sons. There's a time where God says, okay, you've gone through the suffering, now I'm giving you thrones. You can speak to the elements, push it back, you'll see miracle signs and wonders. Actually, the Lord is speaking to me about a season of doing some powerful things. We're going to step into a season of miracles. Glory to God. A season of miracles. I know, but I don't understand that, Bishop. We got a lot going on. People are dying. I know. I know. A lot of suffering. There's the groaning that's taking place. But there's a glory that's about to be revealed. Thank you, Jesus. A glory is about to be revealed. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I love this passage. Verse um. The process of, is described as one of the adoptions. And what I want you to see this, the, the adoption of sons. Though we weren't natural born, God adopted us into the family. And the adopted has the same rights as the freeborn. I got a lot of word here, but let me just give you this. The Lord spoke to me and said, ask. Just ask me. And there's some things he laid out in the scripture that we need to ask him for. Glory to God. Galatians chapter 4 verse 5 so that he might redeem those who are under the law that he that we might receive the adoption of sons. One of the things we need to ask him for is that he would adopt. That he would adopt people that don't feel like they're part of the fold, especially young men and young women that weren't raised by fathers. They're trying to find and grope for their way. That's not what God wants. We're asking that the spirit of adoption would hit you, that you would feel like you're part 
of a big family. The body of Christ all around the world. Thank you, Jesus. There's some deaths and some struggles you don't have to go through when you're part of the family. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. For, if, if for it was fitting to, for him for whom all are all things and through to whom all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through suffering. So listen to me very careful. Uh, for Jesus to become captain, he had to endure something and deny some stuff that his flesh wanted him to do. That he might become the captain of salvation and the firstborn of many sons, which means sons will go through the suffering and deal with it with their eyes set on the end result. I want you all to hear this now. Just like with any workout program, a good coach is going to say, I know it's going to hurt for the first three weeks, but I need you to run these suicides. Well, physically, body don't want to get up and run suicides. But if you do what I'm telling you to do about midway through the season, you're going to be stronger than your component. And when I say I want y'all to run first quarter, I just want you to run them. I want fast breaks. I want you to run them. That in the third quarter, they're going to be sucking wind. Every time they shoot, they're coming up short. But you'll be busting them every time. I'm preaching today. Because you have to go through the suffering. So in the first fourth quarter, you'll be fresher than your component. Opponent. Can the church say amen? amen. This is what a coach or a father would do. And God says, I want the church to go through a few things. It doesn't look like you're raining right now, but you are. Or you're on the path. Because when the world won't know what to do, because you're spending time with me in the way that I prescribed it, I'm going to give you power. You have more tenacity and stamina in the fourth quarter, and you'll win this game. Thank you, Jesus. In the fourth quarter of this year, you're going to see more stuff than you've ever seen in your life. But God is preparing you for it right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Look at Hebrews 12 and verse 7. For it, it is for discipline that we endure. So why does he have us going through things? It's for the discipline. It is for the discipline. To deny oneself, to learn the discipline. That is the root of discipleship. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Where's the discipline in your life? Where's the discipline in your spiritual life? It can't just be, well, I know what God is saying because God disciplines. And discipline is tied to following a prescribed plan even when you want to do something different. Look at verse 8. But if you are without discipline, which are all have become partakers, then you're illegitimate children. And not what? And not sons. You got to go through the discipline. I don't like that. I don't, oh, well, everybody's saying this to me. Why are they saying this to me? Well, look at your attitude. If you can instruct everybody, but you can't receive instruction, what does it say about you? You're illegitimate, the scripture says. There is no relationship with God. Thank you, God. 
Anybody that say, I ain't got no daddy, man, come on. I'm my own dad. What a kind of foolishness is that? Nobody got here without a father. You were birthed through your mother's womb, but call to your father's seed. Man, I'm preaching. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm not done yet either. I'm not done yet. The third usage of the passage, not only do you see sons as angelic beings and then sons used as being in a covenant relationship, but you see sons, this is the third usage. Sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful and they began to take them as wives and there were giants in the earth. We like to look at uh, the second one because sons of God here is tied to people who have a covenant relationship. Look at King Solomon with a son of God. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 5, at Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. So Solomon went to Gibeon uh, to offer up sacrifices. The scripture said he offered up a thousand sacrifices unto the Lord. And I want you to picture that. Unto the Lord. He didn't have a relationship with God like David. But he was groping to find God. He was asking and seeking. And knocking. So the Lord appeared unto Solomon during the night. In a dream and said ask. Whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon answered. You have shown great kindness to your servant. My father David. Because. Notice the relationship. I don't really know you like that, but David did. <laughs> Whoo, Jesus. You, you brought me here. You gave me all of these, these resources. You gave me knowledge. I, I can do five things at once, but I don't have a relationship with you like my father did. I, I, I never wanted to lay before the Ark of the Covenant like him. I never entered into his house, your house, like he did. I never prayed and wrote psalm like he did. But one thing I know, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David. Because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in his heart. Here we see Solomon speaking from a vicarious relationship. I don't have it with you like that, but I at least saw what it looks like. You have continued this great kindness to him, to him, not to me, to him. And you have given him a son to sit on the throne. I know I didn't earn it. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus. How many of us, uh, how many of us have it mixed up, right? It's the prayers of your forefathers that push you here. It's the prayers of the saints. Somebody was sowing a seed. <laughs> While you were doing what you do, glory to God. And all God wants you to do is think about a relationship. Oh, God, help me. Hallelujah. Solomon said, I didn't have it with you like that. I never knew you like that. But I know what you did for my daddy. You've given him a son now to sit on the throne. It's not that I deserve it. But you did it because you're kind to him. 
Look at verse 7. Now, O Lord, my God. Look how he starts off with his prayer. Not what I deserve, but now you're my God. Out of the relationship that you had with my father, I want you to be my God. You have made your servant king in place of my father David. Notice how he reminds God of his relationship. But I am only a little child. I'm young and tender and the work is great. And I do not know how to carry out my duties. I'm not going to act like I do because I wasn't the one who was with you. Your servant is here among, look at the scriptures, the people who have chosen a great people. Too numerous to count or to number. So this is what I want you to do for me. Give your servant. What is a servant? He didn't even call himself a son. Give your servant. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. A discerning heart will give me wisdom to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. I don't know. Glory to God. Well, who is able to govern this great people of yours? They're not mine. They're yours. And I need you to show me how to do it. Look at the word. The Lord was pleased at Solomon. God looked at that and said, whoa, finally somebody is asking me for more than material things. There's somebody that's asking me more for a house or land and jobs and, and prestige. I don't need all of that. God says, now I have somebody that's asking me. They're going to another level with their request. They're going to another level with their asking. They're asking me for something divine. Give me a discerning heart that, that I can distinguish between good and evil. My, why, why wouldn't I know what's, what's good or what's evil? I, I, obviously, I'm wise. Obviously, I have education. But there's a sense in this man that says, I cannot do the job that you have before me. Not like David did without discernment. Woo, Jesus. And out of his relationship, he cries out, calls to God or makes an appeal, seeks him while he may be found and knocks until the door is open. He ascends to Gibeon. This is where the tabernacle of Moses was set up. Hallelujah. And he went to the highest, most sacred place in the hill country to talk to God. I may not know you, God, but because I saw how David moved and I saw in this area, actually, this is the area where David bought a threshing floor. When he saw a plague that came into the land, he bought a, th a, th a threshing floor and he offered up sacrifices and it stopped the plague. Solomon looked and saw this is obviously a place where you met my father. Whoo, Jesus. Because you met him there, I'll at least go there to sleep. Maybe you'll talk to me. Thank you, God. And I wonder how many of us do in the dark times, do you even know the locations? Do you even have a Bethel, the place where the heavens open up? Well, you may not be able to go to the movies and you can't go to the store and you can't hang out like you used to. But is there a place where you can talk to God? God will not leave you. God told me, listen, I have 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee. I have things already in place, glory to God. Do you have any relationships that can help you to discover these places? 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Don't forget your relationships. Don't become so self-centered that you back away from the order and the structure of God. Glory, hallelujah. Now, O oh Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place. Look at verse 8. Your servant is here among the people. You have chosen a great people, too numerous to count or to number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. And the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God spoke. Since you have asked for this and not for long life or for wealth and prestige or for your name to be in lights for yourself, nor ask for the death of your enemies. People that don't agree with you get lost. You didn't ask me for that. But for discernment in administering justice, look at this. I will do what you have asked. Glory to God. <laughs> and will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be, never have been anyone like you, nor will ever be, glory to God. Verse 13, moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for. God said, if you, in this season, if you just take a moment and ask me some things, I'm not going to just answer what you asked for. I'm going to give you things that you didn't even come out of your mouth. Glory to God. I'm going to give you what you need. Look at this. The Bible says, I'm going to give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor. Now, you don't have to ask for riches and honor. Seek first the kingdom. But God says it's coming. When you start asking me for wisdom, what comes behind it? When you start asking me for justice, what comes behind it? When you start asking me for discipline, what comes behind it? Glory to God. Riches and honor will come behind it. So that in your lifetime, look at the word, you will have no equal among kings. I did some research, come to find out that Solomon was so rich, even compared to the day's study. I want you to think about it. We got a lot of billionaires, but Solomon was like a trillionaire. The gold that was brought to him in tribute from nations, uh, it called, talks about tons, and if you look at the tons, and you equate it to today's monetary gifts, you'll see what I'm talking about. He wasn't just like Bezos worth 150 billion. I'm talking about he's worth as much as his company was worth. Oh my God. And there has nobody, been nobody on the face of the earth that wealth. It is true today. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commandments as David your father did I will give you a long life then Solomon awoke and he recognized it had been a dream scripture says he then came home and he set a feast for his servants he started treating people right glory to God right after that two harlots came pulling on a baby God gave him wisdom to discern Bring me a sword and divide the child. But it started when he came to Gibeon. And I want to just encourage you in the name of the Lord. It's the place of sonship. Glory to God. I got a whole lot to say and don't have a lot of time. Coming into the New Testament, God says, 
Them that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. Not a different Spirit. Them that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So even if you have diversities of gifts, the same Spirit will work in the gifts. And the Spirit is subject. The Spirit requires humility. Spirit requires structure. Thank you, God. There are diversities of administrations, verse 5, but the same Lord. There are differences, diversities of operations, but the same God which worketh in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For one is given the Spirit of the word of wisdom. The Lord told me that it's imperative for us to ask for wisdom right now. Here's another one. Ask, just ask me. To another one, the word of knowledge, it needs to flow today. God says, ask and I will give it to you. Glory to God. To another, faith by the same spirit. We're not talking about regular kind of faith. We're talking about the faith that removes mountains. To another, gifts of healing. This is what I'm asking him for right now. The ability to heal by the spirit of God. And I'm asking you in the name of Jesus to grant us this gift. Personally, I'm asking for you to endow me with the gift. I want to walk into wars and lay hands on people and they rise up. He told me to just ask for it. Somebody's feeling what I'm talking about. Look at verse 10. To another the working of miracles. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking now. That the gift to work miracles, signs, and wonders would follow them which believe. I want it. And I want you to grant it to me. And I'm asking. I'm seeking. And I'm knocking. Whew, thank you, God. I decree and declare that miracles, signs, and wonders will follow them which believe. Glory to God. Our God is not dead. He is alive. And this is why I know God wants to work in miracles. Because there's too much death. There's too much darkness. And in this season, he wants the church to rise up. We're in the season of miracles. To another prophecy. Hallelujah. That is to release the prophetic. To foretell what God wants to do. To another, the discernment of spirits. Glory to God. Before you eat a meal, you'll be able to discern the spirit of the person. Before you get into a relationship, God will let you know whether you should continue the relationship. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To be able to interpret diverse types of tongues. To speak languages. Or for a moment, you can understand the language by the Spirit. And to another, the interpretation of those tongues. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you that are missionary and want to go to other nations, you need to get this gift. That when you speak, even if you're speaking in English, they can understand what you're saying by the Spirit. I'm preaching today. Thank you, Jesus. God wants to open you up, but he wants you to get in the word and begin to ask, seek, and knock. Appeal, seek, and knock until it opens up. This is where I am. Bible says in verse 11, but all these worketh that one and self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. 
So as I've laid it out, God wants you to begin to pray and pray and ask him for the gift that he wants to work in your life. But I feel compelled to begin to call for healing and faith and the working of miracles. And I'm just decreeing and declaring that God is at work in us. Last passage, Psalm 2 and 8. Ask of me and I will give you the nations, the heathen for, their inherit, for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Direct tie to Jesus himself. I believe he's speaking to the church. Ask of me and people will be saved. I want you to just say that in your soul. This is a time to ask for the salvation of hundreds of thousands and millions of people around the world. Do not go back to work and say this, the plague is over and don't learn this lesson that God allows things to happen to get our attention. Don't go back to things as usual. I know right now there's some mixed messages coming out of Washington and I'm just amazed. Lord, I'm praying for our president in the name of Jesus you can't tell everybody to stay home until the end of the month and then talk about liberating Virginia and liberating these nations and telling people it's okay. Listen, man. <laughs> Let every soul be subject to the high authority. We're trying to work with you. Don't send out mixed messages to the church and throw evangelicals a few bones and say, I just believe in God and I believe in the church and you're not consistent. Amen. The church is consistent. We're trying to work with you now. But we don't need no missed messages. I try to teach our people in this region to follow authority. Then you sending out missed messages. I need you to get your head together. If you want me to stick with you, get your head together. I can't say one thing this Sunday and next week saying something else. Glory to God. I am praying for you, sir. God bless you. I'm a modern day, a modern day, and I believe God for great things. This authority that we operate in is not earthly. Glory to God. Yet it is subject to earthly authority. Let every soul be subject to the high authority. For there's not an authority given other than the authority that God gave. Glory to God. He ordained it. And that's why we give, even though I don't agree, I still come under the authority. Because it's the way God worked it. Y'all understand? As long as it tells me, doesn't tell me I can't preach the gospel, then I can work with it. It's the wisdom of God for the age. Sons of Issachar, know the times, but then know what to do with it. Thank you, God. Let us pray. Father, I give you praise. You spoke to my heart to release this around the country. Just ask me. And I thank you for the relationship that we have in Christ. That we can talk to our father. But we talk to him out of a relationship. Father, it is out of our relationship with your son Jesus. Who brings us close to you. That we're able to ask. From the son's perspective. Though we can't instruct you Lord. We submit to you. The clay cannot say to the potter, why have you made me thus? But Father, we thank you for that relationship. And today we're asking for wisdom. 
we know that honor and riches will follow. You're going to supply all of our need according to your riches and glory. I have no doubt about that. You told us, Father, we can ask for the heathen, for the unsaved, that they would be transferred into the kingdom of God. We're asking for the salvation of souls. But we're also asking that the gifts of the Spirit would be in operation. The seeing gifts, the speaking gifts, and the power gifts. Even now, Father, we're acting, ask that you would activate them in the church of Jesus Christ. I'm asking you directly, Lord, personally for the gift of miracles, the working of miracles, and the gift of healing, and the gift of unusual faith. Let the three work in my life. And as the body of Christ begins to ask for the gifts to be in operation in their lives, I thank you for the discipline of sons. For the correction that comes to sons. Father, I thank you for the submission. To ask means we're humbling ourselves. It is the first act, the essential act of humility. Acknowledging that we don't know, but you do. We seek, Father. We're hunting for you. We're trying to capture you. We're pursuing you. And we're knocking, Father, continuously until it opens up. So I thank you, Lord. I thank you that this region will be known as a miracle alley. This street will be known as the street where miracles take place. That our church will be known as a beacon of light for those in darkness. Thank you that in this ministry you will stop death. In the name of Jesus, those who are at the brink of death will be brought back in the name of Jesus. Those that are sick in the body, Lord, will be healed and delivered and set free. I believe that. And I confess it and release it in the name of the Lord. I even now pray that you would heal people who are connected even now. There are people who have issues and growths in their body. In the name of Jesus, I command that they be dissolved in the name of the Lord. That blood work would change. Blood disorders would change in the name of the Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Women who have lumps, uvarian cancer. I thank you God for curing it in the name of the Lord. Secret and private lumps in the, in the body that no one knows about. Thank you for dissolving them in the name of Jesus. And I give you praise for the reports that will come back. That you're working in the lives of your people. We don't even have to ask for money, Father. You get glory when we ask for wisdom. When the wisdom is there, the riches will follow. You'll give us what we didn't ask for. What we're asking for is that you heal your people. That prophecy, pure prophecies, the prophetic would rise in this ministry. Not the prophetic of houses and lands, but the mind of God, a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. That it would flow through your people in the name of Jesus. I give you praise for diverse type tongues being spoken. And the interpretation of tongues. And the discerning, discernment of spirits in the name of the Lord. Let it be so in the name of Jesus. I come against the spirit of fear that blocks your people from speaking your word. Push back on fear. And Father I thank you as the light shines fear. And darkness cannot comprehend the light. And I give you praise, Father, for possessing us with these gifts. 
and allowing them to manifest in this world in the name of the Lord Jesus. Use truth revealed in all of its affiliates to change our world for Jesus Christ. The young, the middle-aged, and the old. Use this ministry, Father, for your glory. You spoke to my heart and said, from this place, you will show world, the world, your wonders. And I thank you that we've stepped into that season. So even now, Father, I pick up the mantle. I pick up the mantle in the vest that was created. That mantle created, Father, in the name of the Lord. Let miracles follow them which believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. In my name, sick will be made whole. In my name, glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If they drink deadly poison, it will not harm them. I give you praise. In my name, no virus will be able to overtake them. Cover your people with your blood. In the name of Jesus, glory to God. Thank you for opening things up, Father, because of the gifts of God. That's working in the lives of your people. And God, we give you the praise and the glory for that. In Jesus' precious name. Come on, praise the Lord with me. And magnify him. Let us exalt his name together. Glory to God. Come on, will faith be in the earth? Will faith be in the earth? Will you believe God for the miraculous? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It has been a real joy to share the Word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.